0: So one of the questions that I get asked a lot is about uh, the ship of Theseus uh, hypothesis, which is basically that you replace your brain slowly over time uh, with cybernetics or computers or implants or whatever. And I tell people that that is probably the last thing (laughs) that I will ever do. And there's a few reasons for this. So one, if you study neuroscience at all, you will immediately cringe at the possibility of replacing the human brain with uh, machines. So, I mean, just first and foremost, machines break down. They don't self-repair, and we, we don't even have the beginnings of self-repairing and self-assembling machines, at least not at the scale that you need to for human brains. So, you know, um, we're still in the era where computers blue screen and you have memory registry errors so we are, uh, I'm not going to say decades, but we're a long ways off from just having the baseline machine capabilities to be remotely as reliable as human brains are. So that's, that's problem number one. Uh, problem number two is efficiency. The human brain weighs three pounds and runs on 20 watts of juice and is uh, structurally one of the most sophisticated. It's, it, it, our, the human brain is the... Physically most structurally sophisticated naturally occurring structure uh, in the universe And so what I mean by that is in terms of how well organized your brain is and number of synapses number of synaptic connections The complexity of the of of it as a as a bio bio neurochemical device um, Is many orders of magnitude beyond what we can produce today? So like yeah, if you could replace your brain, but you'd be as dumb as a calculator um, now, one, you know, obviously with uh, Neuralink and a few other BCI and transcranial magnetic stimulation and, you know, reading brain waves, um, it looks like we're going to have some kind of prosthesis that allows you to at least get information out of your head relatively soon. Getting information back in is going to be a harder part. And honestly, the human brain is not designed to take in information directly. Um, now, that being said, there have been uh experiments done with bci that allow people to get information kind of injected directly into the brain but we've also got plenty of other avenues where you could augment uh sensory input so like what i mean is what if you were to have an implant that would you know ride on top of your uh uh, your uh, optical uh, uh synapses so like your optical chiasm and those sorts of things um, then there's auditory, so like you could inject uh, sound directly into the, into the ears. Um, and so the, the brain is actually designed to take in information through those means. Uh, so I would, I would think that there's probably more profit in that. Now, even if... So let's just, for the sake of argument, um, as a thought experiment, let's imagine that there is a series of cybernetic implants or interfaces or whatever that you could hypothetically start replacing parts of the brain today i still wouldn't do it and there's a few reasons why so first is a uh, phenomenon called um anosognosia anosognosia is a really really kind of uh interesting i'm not going to say bizarre because that's it's it's a kind of injury but what happens with anosognosia is that you have some kind of disability, whether it's a physical or cognitive disability, but you are cognitively unaware of the fact that you have the disability, and you are unable to integrate that information into your model of yourself, into your worldview. And so, um, if you want, if you look up like anosognosia, you can look up other videos, and there will be people that like they're paralyzed on one side of their body. And they will confabulate reasons as to why they can't use that side of the body. They'll say, I'm too tired, I don't want to. Or I'm calling it up, but, you know, it worked yesterday. And it, like, these people with anosognosia, they look crazy. They look like they're completely insane. Um, but their, their mental faculties are otherwise um, in place or intact. But because of this injury, because of this disease, they are unable to integrate this information and they deny it. They deny that there's anything wrong. And so one of my fears, if you start replacing parts of your brain, even if you could hypothetically do it today, it's entirely possible that the, that your brain will not actually acknowledge those new parts. That like, cause we assume that the brain has no agency um, when it comes to this kind of stuff. We assume that the brain doesn't have a choice that like, oh, it's just a computer. And if you give it a new part, it must use that new part. I don't know that that's a guaranteed thing. Um, if it's not biologically compatible, you don't know. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind is neurological and biological compatibility. Um, hang on, there's people walking by. So basically, because of this phenomenon of anosognosia, you would have to have something that is not just hardware compatible but is signals compatible with the brain and in other words you you probably would have to have something that is so like indistinguishable from the brain that you might as well just have brain um, otherwise the signals might be rejected by the brain and it might not be allowed to participate um, in the brain And so there's another phenomenon called neglect. So neglect is where there is information coming into your brain, and it's technically available to some parts of your brain, but not other parts of your brain. So an example of neglect is um, certain injuries will result in the fact that you just don't pay attention to one side of your field of vision or another. And so like your brain is actually getting the information like it sees that there's a square over here, but you will say there's nothing there. The fact that there is something on one side of your vision does not enter your consciousness, even though the information is technically in your brain. And so like uh, some of the experiments that are done around neglect are like, hey, draw what's on the left side of your field of vision. And someone will be like, well, I don't I don't see anything. And then they'll, they'll actually draw the circle or the square or whatever that is actually visible on the other side. But they will consciously report, I don't see anything. Um, and so... When you, when you take those two kinds of injuries, anosognosia and neglect into consideration, and you realize that like some of these are like microscopic injuries to the brain. Some of them are created by lesions. Some of them are created by a traumatic brain injury, or if you're a corpus callosum is severed, um, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Um, but like these are really scary. And what is most terrifying to me is, what if you end up in a situation where you don't realize what's happening. And so the uh, there's a philosophical experiment. Um, I had to look it up uh, to remember what it was. but there's a philosophical experiment by David Chalmers. It's called the Chalmers Zombie. So the Chalmers zombie says that imagine that you have that you have a, a a facsimile of a human. You have something that is a biologically living, breathing, uh, and by every objective measure, uh, thinking, you know, conscious human that has no subjective experience, that is basically a zombie. There's not, there's, you know, you can talk to it, uh, but it's basically an automaton. There's nothing really going on behind the scenes. And so that is like kind of what I'm afraid of could happen is where basically the machines, the, the, the computers, the implants, the cybernetics take over all the functions of you, but you are gone. And so like that is to me is like, that's no good. And so like I've started calling this Johnny Silverhand syndrome. So if you played cyberpunk 2077, this is basically what's happening to your main character V is you get a cybernetic implant that has nanotechnology and other stuff. And it starts overwriting your brain. And so your personality merges with this constructs personality, but eventually you're gone. The original you is gone, and it's replaced by something that is no longer like actually has a soul. It's it's called the soul killer uh, virus. So that's that's what I'm afraid of and that's why I think that it would happen and so you have to make a lot of assumptions about the way that the brain works in order to assume that you can even replace any parts of it now obviously like there is evidence that the brain can communicate you know via technology but replacing the brain ship of Theseus style may or may not be possible and even if it is technically possible the side effects might be completely undesirable so, there are a couple things that give me um some hope so one is a technology that I hypothesized and I've been watching and so there's there's this concept called metamaterials where you you build materials that have properties emergent properties based on the sophistication of the lattice and the the crystal structure and whatever else and So, one technology that gives me potential hope is what I call a neuropolymer membrane, and there are people working on this, so it's it's not something that I just like made up out of thin air. But the idea is that you could create a polymer membrane that behaves enough like neurons and can repair itself by virtue of the way that the the material is created that it can actually participate in the neural processing of your brain and so you could actually possibly hypothetically pretty significantly augment the amount of cognitive capacity that your brain has with something like a neuropolymer membrane without actually disrupting the structure of your brain. And one reason that I think that this is one of the best ways to go, one of the best avenues, and of course I'm not a neuroscientist and there's probably a million things wrong with this hypothesis, but is that the uh, electromagnetic field theory, the EM field theory of consciousness, uh, suggests that it's it's not just the Uh, the, the synaptic firing of the brain that causes consciousness, that it's actually a global effect of all the electromagnetic waves that are also participating and propagating across the brain. Hence why brain waves can be used to reconstruct some of what you're thinking, hearing, and seeing. Uh, That's obviously not entirely accurate because um, a lot of what is happening with uh, thought reconstruction is you're actually, you are peering into the head and you're looking at, um, like, I think they're using positron emission tomography PET scanners, or maybe fMRIs or a bit of both. Um, So you're actually looking at the behavior of the synapses, the neurons in the brain in order to gauge that. But I still suspect that there is probably something to the EM field theory. And then the final thing is an experiment that I would run or something that would give me um, a little bit more confidence that the ship of Theseus or or real brain augmentation could happen. And that is um, a metastatic cognition test or metastatic consciousness test, which basically the brain on its own has no awareness of its physical being Your brain is only aware of itself by virtue of the fact that it's connected to, you know, sensors, you know, eyes, ears, you know, hands and whatever. Um, And that's that's kind of the premise of the matrix, right, where you fool the brain into thinking that it is somewhere else. That's the principle of full-dive VR, where you just basically hijack all of the signals, all of the input and output. And so then your brain is no longer sensing or feeling or controlling your physical body. It's sensing, feeling, and controlling a virtual or digital body. Honestly, I think that full-dive VR is probably more eminently possible than ship of Theseus style brain augmentation or modification. Um, But if you can synchronize sufficiently sophisticated machines via brain interface and neural augmentation and that sort of thing, if your consciousness, if there's some kind of test that you could do where you could demonstrate that your consciousness exists in places other than your brain, that would be evidence that maybe consciousness is just the processing that's happening. Maybe that maybe you can have some some kind of synchronicity between, you know, not not just a copy of your brain, but an extension of your brain. I don't know that it's possible, um, but certainly there's lots and lots of ways that we could test this. And I honestly don't know which way I'd like it to go, because here's the thing: if all we are is just the ephemeral nature of the current feeling that you have of being and then all we are is just matter and energy and and the data that comes from that then like i don't know that's kind of sad but there's and i recognize that that is an emotional preference um i will of course follow whatever the evidence says but when you consider that there's one there's not a better explanation except for things that are not presently testable like, if you do have a soul, is it existing on another hyperplane or a hyperdimension that we can't measure directly? Well, if you can't measure it, you can't test it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, now, one thing that I do think will be more eminently plausible is physically changing ourselves. So, like, we're going to be able to change our genes and our gene expression. So, what if you get like a set of pills that can make your head get bigger and your brain get bigger and rewire itself and those sorts of things? So, I think that I think it'll probably be easier to change our physiology than just replacing our physiology because we already have the genetic hardware to do a lot of interesting things with our brain and our body and our genes and that sort of thing. Um, And also life has been evolving for billions of years. So there's a lot of like interesting possibilities, but also in terms of energetic efficiency. So anyways, I hope that helps. Um, Yeah, that's my thoughts of the day. Cheers.